Welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. Welcome back, my friend. <laughs> it's good to hear your voice. Yeah, like, it's, 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 been, it's been a hot minute. So for people that don't know, Gavin and I text every day, like random stuff, pretty much. But really, and we actually, you know, we leave voice messages a lot too, but yeah, yeah. they're usually making fun of other people that we probably shouldn't, but we do anyway. So we're kind all, of impersonating. All of our listeners, we know what you sound like and we make fun of you. Yes. Uh, but for the most part, we only really talk like when when we see each other or when we record the podcast. And it's been about a month and a half now since we've recorded. But the good news is, as I had mentioned, like probably our last recording, I don't even know if that one made the air. We had some uh, technical difficulties. Then we recorded an episode that was the exact same as our friend Jeff at the Kung Fu Drive-In podcast. I was like, oh, I'll wait a week or two. But then said movie got pulled from the internet on YouTube. And I was like, well, do we really release it now? Anywho, <laughs> I, as of yesterday, am officially fun employed. So uh, I, and this was by my own choice, I'm getting ready to move. So now I have plenty of time to record, devote to the podcast, and hopefully make it uh, a regular thing. So uh, definitely keep an eye out. We're going to be expanding the podcast, the YouTube channel. And I know we've said this before, but we've been talking about this period of time, which we have finally reached, where I currently at the moment, do not have employment. So I've got lots of free time. I will be busy getting ready to move, but obviously it will be very easy now because we can work around your schedule because uh, I'll have the freedom to just, you know, stop what I'm doing in the middle of the day and record if we want or whatever, whatever. But anywho, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. And I'm really excited about, I'm really excited about uh, getting back to recording, having a little oh, more. Oh, I'm getting back to recording. <laughs> I forgot to mention, uh, this is your notice. We are letting uh, you go. Oh, now I'm going to be fun employed from the <laughs> from the uh, the podcast money making sector. Yes, yes. But anywho, I'm oh, just wait, kidding. wait. Yeah. You just did a quote from a movie uh, that you don't realize. Undefeatable. When they go, um, the guy who likes no, not undefeatable. Honor and glory. Okay. I'm sure our listeners appreciate this. Um, the student who's really uh, taken by Joyce Pride, who right. is the yeah Timmy, or, yes. no Jimmy, Timmy, uh, Johnny, something like that. I feel like it was Jimmy. Yeah. Anyway, good moment that we just had when you were yes, 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 seafood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So this, this is what our voice messages sound like, by the way. Yeah, pretty it's much this stuff. Good stuff. Anyway. Yeah, so things are going well. Things are things are going really well. Getting uh, uh, getting back to training for myself, which has been great. Uh, the summer always provides a little more breathing room in my schedule, uh, as opposed to during the academic year, September through June, because you know I work at a school. So this is a this is a real been a really nice month so far. Nice. Uh, I know we're how many days in? Only 16 days in. But yeah, going back, going back about four weeks, it's been a really nice period of getting in some training, seeing some family, uh, getting in some reading. It's great. Ooh, yeah, it's something I'm going to try to get back into is reading. Yeah, no, I'm excited. We're uh, we've uh, officially rented a house. We know exactly where we're moving. Uh, it's going to be great because as a lot of people know, I've mentioned I live up in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. It's like an hour and a half commute to anything. It was an hour and 45 commute to the closest kickboxing gym that uh, worked for me. You know, it's just and so now we're moving to a place where I will be within a we'll say 30 minute radius of about 10 stellar quality kickboxing gyms. And then I'm Very literally nice. 
10 minutes away from what would be like the highest level type of Muay Thai gym you can find in America, that kind. So a very well-known fighters gym. Fantastic. Uh huh. And then I'm like, you know, within 20 something minutes of like three or four or more of, uh, maybe not quite that, uh, well-known of, uh, uh, recognition or, but, you know, still very high quality gyms, you know, it's, it, it, our lives are going to be completely changed. Cause I'm no longer going to be commuting an hour and a half every day to work or excuse me, 45, it. you know, an hour and a half round trip. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely very, uh, it was, a not emotional, but it was a fun last week for me because, uh, I wasn't even technically the club manager anymore. I was just supervising the handover and, uh, the gentleman took over Calais, who's been my assistant manager for, you know, like nine months obviously because he's been there for nine months, he literally knows the entire job. Almost. It took about one day of just teaching him some of the nuances of our financial system that he's never used. But otherwise it was a nice fun week for me. got to say goodbye to everyone. People sent me flowers. People sent me champagne. People sent me all sorts of goodies. I got some uh, delicious nuts. Uh, I like, Mm. I like nuts to eat nuts, pistachios. I'm referring to pistachios and cashews. That's what I got. Oh, and then Calais. Oh, get this. And I'll have to share this picture. Calais has a going away gift. Gave me this badass Bruce Lee poster. So here's my thing with with Bruce Lee stuff. Aside from actually what I'm wearing right now, which I purchased recently through Roots of Fight, I don't really buy any Bruce Lee stuff for myself anymore just because it's like I did it for so long and so much. However... If anybody else buys me Bruce Lee stuff, I'm always happy to accept, and I love it. So, uh, Spe- go ahead. Speaking of which, you had a birthday back in April. Uh huh. And your birthday gift is on this desk behind me. Oh. And that's your wait this way, that way. Anyway, that's the hint. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. So, uh, and I'm heading down to LA on Monday morning. Oh. Hopefully, I mean things are getting pretty crazy <laughs> there right now with uh, the. Uh, wave of uh, new covid coming through so you know but hey that's just something we have to live with uh these days really yep i was trying to come up with something funny all i could come up with yep 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 i mean it just it is what it is you know what i mean and like if we constantly bunker down every time it's like it's gonna get us all eventually dog i really hope it doesn't but (laughs) uh but anywho plan is i'm coming down on monday we've got a double kung fu screening at the new beverly Mm -hmm. we're gonna get like three days of training in with sugarfoot uh and then uh yeah then i've got uh, some other exciting things next week over the next couple weeks uh i'll share later i'm going to be doing a uh like kind of online training seminar with a very famous kickboxing champion uh okay someone that i look for, uh, look up to like a, a current fighter so uh i reached out and he does like consultation type stuff so you know our coach sugarfoot's always encouraging us to like train at other gyms train with other coaches learn from other fighters so i think this is going to be a great opportunity uh for me to kind of pick his brain about things training uh conditioning uh you know he's like our sensei sugarfoot he reminds me a lot of him because he has an extremely high fight iq like with the way he breaks things down and stuff so Mm -hmm. it's just always nice to get another perspective uh so that'll be next week i've got you know some fun festivities we're gonna be getting ready for our move so yeah lots of fun stuff and then uh hopefully i decide to try to go the route of being self-employed maybe the gig economy again so i can really focus on this once again we're going to try to expand the youtube channel do some video content uh, I'm moving into a great new place where I'll have the space like I did here to but kind of make a little studio type thing. So, yeah, I'm think- looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, I, I think we've both uh, spoken in the past about 
even just getting the podcast up on YouTube. Yes. We just haven't, we haven't had that opportunity to get there yet, but that is definitely that what we're going to start doing too. So, yeah, I mean, I've been experimenting with some different recording, like the thing we use right now, uh, we use a program where we see each other and we have a video as we're recording, but it doesn't record video. So therefore to like put it onto, we've only ever put on like one episode that we recorded through zoom and yeah. we don't want to do that. We want it to be high quality. So exactly. Uh, we are going to be doing that as well. And yeah, lots of stuff to look forward to. Once again, we're always open to suggestions. Also, last note, I will be much more active on social media. The last few months, I was just so busy at work and so busy, uh, you know, taking care of family stuff up here as well. The main reason I moved up here that Mm -hmm. I just, I've been absent from social media. Also, I'll respond to people, but I just haven't been posting as much. Uh, so therefore less interaction, but, uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's the same, same for me. And I, 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 you know, I think I'll, I'll notice other people go come and go in waves as well, you know, when it comes to social media, because to, to engage with it 12 months out of the year, 365 days uh, a year, or, you know, even if you like restrict that a little bit, I think it's, you know, we all have to give each other some breathing room when it comes to social media uh, and like give, give us a little time uh to respond but yeah you've always been on top of responses i'm going to try and do a little better on twitter occasionally uh occasionally i'll take a little couple weeks off if like we're in middle performance time here at here at the colburn here at school so well on that note i'm probably going to finally jump on twitter so we'll both have like because uh gavin's instructed me how we can both have like our own handles for the martial arts mania podcast type thing so therefore yeah, basically what we'll do is you'll have you'll have yours, I'll have mine, and then that 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 account that I've started, you jump on. This is stuff we can talk about later, and then we can fully engage, and that'll be so much fun. Because I mean, I got to tell you, the martial arts Twitter and action Twitter feed that uh, that that is martial arts mania podcast i just love going on there and just reading everything yeah it's just so much fun to engage and be amazing to have you there and then we can it just like i don't know engage Mm -hmm. more with you there that'd be really fantastic world domination here we go yes i was gonna say here we go and then i did here we come so it was a combo of words yeah not uh, i mean so as far as like martial arts stuff i mean i've just been doing my same old thing you know training at home hopefully in the next month that'll change uh, but yeah, nothing really new to report there. You've gone back in your train. That's good. We're going to get some training in with Sugarfoot. Uh, so yeah, so let's go into what we're going to talk about today. We'll probably, today's episode is going to be a little shorter than normal. I'm on a bit of a time crunch. We're having a big family thing this weekend, but we're talking about a very stellar film. One that we were supposed to start recording. Uh, it was like four weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I had something come up and then just the last few weekends I've been, doing once again family stuff it's a blessing to be so close to family but at the same time it's like your weekends constantly get taken up by family stuff so today we are talking about what film are we talking about we are talking about the one and only penned jean-claude van damme the quest that's right now the story is not only by jean-claude van damme it's also technically directed well, yeah, it's directed by him, but who else yeah. is the story credited to? Oh, wait, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to fill me in on this, Mister Mysterious himself, Frank Dukes. Oh yeah, I thought there was like no Michael so, Mann. Yeah, Michael. <laughs> it was ghost written by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, no, uh, yeah, just story credited 
to Frank Dukes because uh, obviously there's a lot of similarities between, between Bloodsport and then supposedly there was the lawsuit about it getting taken from a screenplay that Dukes had helped write in the early 90s with Van Damme but mm-hmm. anywho yes 1996 release directed by Jean-Claude Van Damme the only film to have been released so far directed by Jean-Claude Van Damme we have the film Jean-Claude Van Damme started filming like 12 years ago, The Eagle's Path, a.k.a. Full Love, a.k.a. like 20 different titles that still hasn't uh-huh. been released but is going to be released. And they've kept they've done pickup shots now in the last few years. I'm really intrigued about that project. Uh, Chris Van Damme was talking about it on the Viking Samurai uh, mm-hmm. uh, show podcast, I guess, or show. Uh, and I, I'm now I'm very intrigued by it because I remember seeing the marketing and like reading about it when I was first living in Guangzhou, China. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that or like even before maybe. But so we're, we're going back all the way to 2011. So <laughs> maybe 2012. But uh, yeah. So otherwise, if I'm not mistaken, this is the only film directed by Jean-Claude Van Damme. Now, uh just break it down real quick. It's definitely the tournament type setup. Uh, it's very similar to Bloodsport. In fact, it's almost kind of like a, a ripped off plot of Bloodsport, except it's set in 1925. Very similar thing. Like fighters from all over the world get an invitation to go and fight in this tournament, kind of in Mongolia area or, you know, somewhere in the Far East. And you've got fighters from all over the world, different styles. Uh, now, I've always theorized that the film was possibly ghost directed and maybe even predominantly ghost directed by someone else. Mm-hmm. But because just visually, I've always found it to be stunning, like very well done. You, you what, what I like about this film is it sort of encapsulates all the great elements of, a Jean, of, of Jean-Claude Van Damme's career and shot so beautifully. It's like, it has a feel of an independent film and he's had some he's had some really nice independent gems throughout his career and but yet it also has this like sweeping episodic uh, uh feel to it as well it just it it does have a little bit of a hong kong feel at times uh particularly with uh, the hot air balloon right <laughs> it does have uh, some sweeping episodic view that you might see in some major hollywood films and then it has like a, a nice indie feel and it makes sense because it's shot like actually in the late 90s and it just has this uh it encapsulates like three types of filmmaking but in a seamless way that you you do feel like someone who's very uh, a veteran director is behind the scenes behind the camera at least agreed veteran cinematographer and it's interesting because i've always you know ever since i first saw and this is one of the ones this was actually i'm trying to think back now this may be outside of seeing like street fighter when i was a kid uh i remember not even really like being that into street fighter but i'm this might be actually the very first van damme movie i saw because like Street Fighter, it was his only one that was rated uh, PG-13 and not R. So Mm -hmm. uh, it was shortly thereafter I would have saw Bloodsport on TV, on, uh, you know, edited for TV, because as I mentioned, my mom had really strict rules about R-rated movies when I was growing up. And so this one, though, I remember exactly where I rented it from. I rented it from the grocery store. So for those of you that may not remember, I've talked a lot about going to Hollywood Video Blockbuster, but grocery stores also used to have their own small little movie rental section. Some of them bigger than others. 
Yes, and it, for me, most of those grocery store rentals were just on the other side of the cash register. register. So you bought, you purchased your food, then you go up into this like little kiosk area that usually are super well curated. So yeah. like the one, the one that uh, was near us in Hawaii uh, was curated with some of the greatest Charles Bronson movies. It had almost every single <laughs> Charles Bronson movie, and I was like binging on Charles Bronson. But they because they're so small and kiosk esque but have to like capture the audience you usually like can do a deep dive if 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 the curator or the store proprietor is into a martial art in the martial art films you're going to get every single martial art film you can get your hands on could you imagine that if you're like who's the curator here and then charles yeah. bronson just stepped out <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so it was at the Rayleigh's in series california right off of mm-hmm. uh hatch and uh or a Rayleigh's Safeway. I'm pretty sure it was a Rayleigh's. Doesn't matter. Uh, but I remember it was like you said. You the, during the checkout and then behind it. So some mm-hmm. places would only have just like a shelf. This one had an actual yes. like separate room. So it was like yep. a small room. And I don't know why. I, it just caught my eye and I looked at it and I said, "Oh, PG-13." I I must have heard it before. Best, uh, heard of it before. But this was probably actually even pre the era of me constantly going to Hollywood Video to find all the Hong Kong movies and Blockbuster mm-hmm. to find all the, like the American ones. Uh, but so it may have even been slightly before that. Hence why I was like, "Oh, cool! Like it's PG-13. Nice. Like it may have been shortly after the movie actually came out." But. Uh, and I just remember like being blown away by it, by everything, the, you know, the visuals, the cinematography, the aesthetics, uh, the camera work. It has a lot of dynamic camera work. I was rewatching some this morning and even almost like you had mentioned Hong Kong, like Samo-esque, uh, yeah. like uh, traveling shots where they like circle yes. around as they're fighting. And the, but the one thing I didn't realize until doing research for this actually a couple of weeks ago when we were originally going to record was that I'm like, what, what does this movie remind me of? And I finally realized it reminds me of a film we've previously talked about, Dragon the Bruce Lee story. Mm. And there's a mm-hmm. handful of people that worked on both, including uh, Stephen Lambert, the, the stunt director, stunt actor uh, who was on the set of uh, – Dragon the Bruce Lee story, and I believe he's credited as the fight choreographer for this film. So, but once again, that's another thing too. The the, the fights, uh, the choreography, in my point, is top notch. Excuse me, in my opinion, is top notch. Uh, yes, it's a great combination of Hong Kong style kind of uh, speed and uh, veracity, and but then it still has the hard hitting nature of like Van Damme movies, but it also yes. has like. The the technique involved is very high level. That that's what I that's one thing that really stood out to me the the embrace the embracing of the techniques of the world. Now often we'll see films where uh, fighters from a particular area area or era. But what's great is even the boxer uh, who steps aside so that Jean Claude Van Damme's character can fight uh, in this tournament. Even the way he's fighting is indicative of the era, and it's not done in a buffoony way. And, and you know, I'm holding up my fist right now that, so AJ can see them. But it's it's that old style fighting where the fist knuckles out. Yep. Because uh, the, the theory behind that is you have your hands farther out, less distance to travel, and instead yeah. you develop speed and power from the rotation. Pop. Yeah popping it out now and that a lot of that has to be credited to james remar who's a very physical 
actor and he's demonstrated mm-hmm. his ability to do martial arts and fighting multiple times. Uh, I mean, obviously the warriors, uh, mm-hmm. is a great example. He was also on an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger, where he was mm-hmm. a great villain. And, uh, I think I've mentioned this before. I ran into him once in the Grove in LA. I was too nervous to say hello though, but James Rebar, you if you're one of our think- listeners. <laughs> Oh, that's really cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so we're walking uh, in the Grove, and I think he was with his wife, and we're, we walk right past, like, I see him coming. We're like, do, 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 and I'm like, oh, James Bimar, what do I do? I don't want to bother him. He's, like, in conversation. I don't uh-huh. want to just stop him, blah, 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 and then we just walk by, and I was like, oh, babe. She's like, what? I was like, that's one of my, like, favorite, uh, like, character <laughs> actors. She's like, really? I was like, yeah. But, you know, I well, you, you have to know when the moment's right to talk to uh any sort of celebrity, and your your instinct is very right. I, I've I've been with AJ when we're walking around, and there there might there I don't want to call them celebrities, but there's maybe a fighter or an action star, and you're not hesitant to approach and engage, but you always end up engaging in an actual conversation, and so you you should you probably trusted your instincts are probably right. Then I I I think I I don't know if I told you, but I was once in a bookstore with Wesley Snipes. Oh no, and, I've never heard this. Oh man. So this was on the, I was on the verge of moving out of LA. I had like tried to work in the film industry, tried, I just wasn't clicking for me. LA wasn't clicking for me. And I was in a bookstore. Um, and lo and behold, Wesley Snipes is in line ahead of me. Not ahead of me. I grab a book. I get in line to be like right behind him. I'm like, I need to talk to him. I need to talk to him. And I didn't talk to him because it was, didn't feel like the right moment, but he turned around and he like gave me a little head nod and I nodded back and I was just like, you know what? I think I am in the right place, even though like, oh, wow. And that, and that was that was actually probably a few months before I ended up getting the job uh, on uh, martial law. But es- essentially, like we have to you have to trust your instincts and you have really good instincts about like when to engage and when not to engage because you don't want to walk away and have a bad experience like some celebrities actors and and other folk will give us a bad experience and right. that can just like you know tarnish all the memory we have of the films and the characters we grew up with yeah and it was just such a chance encounter and i've done it sometimes when walking by someone as i, I think i've mentioned before the like the first time i ever saw philip tan uh mm-hmm. in the los angeles area i was going down an escalator as he was going up and I just randomly saw him. I was like, oh, my God, you're Philip Dan, what's up? <laughs> but then, and then I just kept having these chance encounters with him over the years. So uh, I finally got to meet him after one of my fights when he came backstage to tell me how, uh, like, well I did and stuff. And I was like, oh, my oh, God, finally I get to actually talk. And now we're not friends. But, you know, like, I text him once in a while and stuff. But, uh, yeah, so with the James Remar mm-hmm. thing, it just it just didn't feel right. You know what I mean? But. What Gavin, I think, is referring to is my last trip to L.A. back in like April. We went to our favorite coffee spot. Uh, What's it called now? It was Bulletproof Coffee. Now it's Upgrade Coffee. Upgrade Labs. Okay, so and right as we walk outside, there's John Hackleman sitting there. For those of you that don't Mm -hmm. know, John Hackleman is one of like kind of the pioneers of MMA coaching. He was Chuck Liddell's coach. Uh, He founded The Pit, like kind of one of the first like MMA gyms you know there was like only a handful of them back then so he was kind of a pioneer in that sense he was also uh, a very well uh established uh kickboxing champion back in the day and good friends and former roommates with our coach peter sugarfoot cunningham hence why i felt it was appropriate as we're walking out he was and he was just chilling there with his wife and i was like oh man 
Coach Hackleman, what's up? And he was super <laughs> nice. And we talked for like 10 minutes. We took some pictures. And because I was like, oh, man, we're we're PD students. He's like, oh, Sugarfoot? He's like, man, that guy's crazy. <laughs> Those were his exact words. And then we had a nice conversation. But yeah, so you, you got to know when the moment's right. But anyways, we've now gone off on a tangent, of course. Back to the quest. Uh yeah, so just there, there's so much going for this movie. Now, you actually mentioned before, because I said how the authenticity of the performers. Now, that's definitely true. We have a lot of great stellar stuntmen in there, and pretty much everyone involved in the fights is like a real fighter, which could be said of like, say, Bloodsport, but just there was something more crisp and clean about the fight scenes here. However, there is some kind of uh, incongruous elements to some of the fighting styles. Now, some of them are spot on. Like, you know, we've got the French fighter doing French savat, box français savat, uh, which is a, re- is a real style, French kickboxing. As mm-hmm. uh, I mentioned before, I've trained extensively in it. It's like one of my root arts. And uh, it was like found, it's technically started in like the 1700s, right? And it's pretty much the only, from my research, I mean, people will say, oh, there's this one and this one. But really, in my opinion, the only kind of non-Asian kickboxing style that happened, that was created completely outside of Asia, uh, so like, okay, so you've got the French fighter, you've got, uh, okay, there's the fighter from Korea, uh, who's fighting very much in like, so the movie set in 1925, he's very much fighting, uh, fighting more in like a traditional karate type, uh, style, which makes sense because obviously at that point in time, uh, Korea was occupied by Japan, which had started mm-hmm. in 1910 and really the only martial arts that would have been allowed were like Japanese style martial arts. So, you know, people have been like, oh, well, there was Tekion and stuff in the root arts, but well, you know, like it wasn't until the forties that really Korean kind of, uh, I'm not going to say hybrid, but the, the creation of martial arts styles like Taekwondo, Tongsudo, Hapkido, which were a combination of like the Japanese arts with the traditional Korean arts, hence the higher kicks and so forth and so forth. So anyways, you got him. Obviously, you've got a sumo guy that's authentic. But then we've got some interesting choices. We have uh, the fighter from Spain. Now, the stuntman, Peter uh, Malota or Malata, I don't know how to pronounce his name. And he was, he's been friends with Van Damme for years. He's been in a bunch of his movies, uh, most specifically, Double Impact. He has the great fight scene in like the shadowy underbelly of the ship. Extremely high-level Taekwondo practitioner. But he's playing the fighter from Spain, and it's sort of like, all right, well, what style do we give this guy from Spain? Now, I'm not saying people couldn't have fought from Spain. There's even, you could even theorize that because French kickboxing was supposedly like originally, it was a testing ground, was the whole kind of Mediterranean region, even the ports of Spain and Italy. Mm-hmm. But that's a far stretch in my opinion. So instead, what do we do? They give him kind of like a, uh, ole like stance. What, what what kind of dancing would that be? That's like the flamenco. The flamenco. So they literally give him like a flamenco stance, and then he just goes back to like a fighting stance, doing like a lot of spinning taekwondo type kicks, and then flamenco stance again. And it's like okay, that's kind of hokey. However, all of his fight scenes are great. You've got uh, okay, another well, you, great example. So, go go ahead. Get, okay, I'm gonna interject right there. So um, with the flamenco dancing, this is something my uh, previous uh, boss, Mr. Hirokazu Kosaka, who's a Zen archer and Buddhist uh, preacher, he he put together a special event once where he had, uh, he called it where like the Silk Road came together. Oh. So he actually had Buddhist, he, he explained how like the hand gestures for uh, Buddhism came out of like India. And made its way over to Japan. So the Zen Buddhist, so he had Zen Buddhist monks doing uh, chanting and doing a lot of the hand gestures that come with the come with that sort of uh, chanting and meditation. And then he also had a flamenco dancer and a flamenco guitarist there because a lot of the hand gestures came from 
along the Silk Road. So how how everything was linked through the Silk Road. So in theory, uh, it's it could be possible that this fighter learned some of his martial arts through the Silk Road. That does not mean that he would be holding his hands like a flamenco dancer while doing Taekwondo, however. I like, I like your theory. I like your creativity, but that's a bigger stretch than Van Damme between the two chairs and Bloodsport. So, <laughs> but the, exactly. And, so, that, and that is a big stretch because he goes down. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, you know, Gary Daniels status. But no, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like they had to do something, right? And then well, another one of my favorite ones is the, the Scottish fighter, right? He starts yeah. off bouncing around in boxing, just very clean, crisp jabs. I know. Which, which is like, oh, damn. Like, and that could have been very believable because uh, obviously, you, uh, you know, there's uh, pugil like British style boxing. And yes, yes. And even though it was the 1920s and he's bouncing around almost more like a more modern fire. However, there were fighters back then doing it. Like Willie Pep back then was a slick mm-hmm. mover and bouncer, bah, 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 like ahead of his time. So it's not unheard of. So he's bouncing around and he's very different than uh, the Maxi Divine character played by James Remar, as we mentioned, who has his knuckles turned out. If anything, his style is actually kind of probably out of place for the 1920s. That's more mm-hmm. of the old school King uh, Queensberry rules from like, you know, bare knuckle of the late 18 1800s, early 1900s. Boxers yes. by the 20s, you can watch a lot of footage. We're already having, uh, you know, there's this kind of misconception. We see boxers now. We think boxers from, say, like the 1920s. Oh, they were just completely different. They would get outclassed. A lot of those guys back then had, like, you know, the, the, the modern style. I mean, they may have not had, like, the exact same nuances that we have now and some of the slickness, but... This the the Scottish guy starts off being okay. Yeah, I could totally believe this. Pa pa pa. But then he does like an incredible spinning wheel kick, and you're like, okay, what? <laughs> what, what Scottish martial art has? Because yeah. the, obviously Scotland has uh, you know ethnic wrestling styles, like folk wrestling styles. But mm-hmm. it's, it very easily could have learned you know uh, British pugilism and so forth, right? Like very believable. But then he does that beautiful, extremely clean, fast spinning wheel kick, very powerful. And you're like, what? That makes no sense. And then he obviously gets beat when he throws another kick and gets his nuts crushed by the Turkish fighter. Now, the Turkish fighter, for example, that's one where you don't really see him actually do much. So it's like, okay, I could believe that. He just looks like some sort of warrior from Turkey. He's got like a scar on his face. He's super jacked. Okay, cool. I'll let that one pass. Uh, And same thing with like the German soldier, right? Super yoked. And he doesn't do anything too specific that would make it feel out of place. So for example, he throws a few big, powerful kicks but actually the fact that like even his hip doesn't turn over as much and it's they're kind of halfway between mm-hmm. or I'd say like 75% roundhouse kick 25% crescent kick it kind of gives it that sense of believability where he's just it's, like it's, it's almost like that German marching step yeah <laughs> but, oh man but it's, you don't so, have to edit that out you yeah, can keep that yeah yeah okay but <laughs> it's so it, it's like it would be believable that okay maybe he's even learned to kick or he's just experimented with this but and also same thing he's got hands up like boxing style but nothing out of place very militaristic like by this point the 1920s 1925 we're already looking at post-world war one right so there's already been a lot of uh uh like well i I guess uh current warfare advancement of hand-to-hand combat uh a lot of you know bringing like kind of the the term like glocalization the global becoming more local you know Mm -hmm. uh People getting brought together closer. The Industrial Revolution had a lot to do with that travel, so forth. So, you know, you can believe the idea that, okay, that that looks totally believable. He's like a German soldier that has hand-to-hand combat techniques. Uh, obviously, you've got the, the Thai fighter. Totally makes sense, right? you got the Kung Fu fighter from China. Totally makes sense. And, you, and his choreography, particularly like b- before engagement, his just movement was 
some of the best monkey style kung fu I had seen up to that date in the 90s in an American or Western film. Oh, for film. sure. For sure. He does Hands all, down. He does snake. He does all sorts of great stuff. Like you hadn't seen that in an American movie. Absolutely not. But uh, and then, yeah, there's lots more capoeira guy, you know, et cetera. Yeah, and then obviously course. the Mongolian guy, the main antagonist kind of just fights in a big burly like I'm a warrior. And, you know, Mongolia has yeah. a deep culture of warrior uh Warriors being there. I mean, like Genghis Khan, you've got like you've got to this day authentic like Mongolian wrestling. He just has a lot of like strong striking. So it makes sense. There's some pummeling that he does with the Greek fighter. And same thing, the Greek fighter, you know, you've got Pancration. Yes. There may be the argument of, oh, well, in the 1920s, it wasn't as relevant yet. You know, whatever. Like you've got. Uh, he does a lot of wrestling stuff too. It could have been, I don't know, like some sort of Greco Roman wrestling, you know? So. And I mean, like for, for me, like as. Like there's the sumo wrestler. I mean, of course, like as we know, like my my initial dive into martial arts was watching the the champion of the late '80s, early '90s, Chiono Fuji, uh, as a sumo wrestler. But his background, if I'm not mistaken, I remember learning this as a kid was uh, he he was an Aikido practitioner. Oh. And so there is, you know, I would have liked to have seen a an actual uh, or more established like kind of star from sumo playing like a kind of a historical figure i mean i think like okay i'm gonna they're they're real sumo wrestlers from the 20s that you know if if jean-claude van damme is uh playing somewhat of a historical figure it would have been nice to have someone uh from the 1920s although it's like frank ducks like taking a time machine in the into the past but you know you, you get what i'm saying like it would have been nice to have an actual like historical figure or someone similar to uh, who could do some judo and aki, you know, aki jujitsu and stuff on, on uh, in I those fights, not agree, just going straight forward. But I've got to correct you. You said Frank Ducks. It's Frank Dukes. Oh, Frank Dukes. Dukes. Like put up your Dukes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's a duck to me. Yes. Oh, <laughs> dem, dem, where, where is he at? Them be fighting words. Oh, you wouldn't know because he would just pop up behind you. He is a ninja. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, we've gone over. And, but the thing is, all the performers, fantastic. They all do yes. a really good job. There, there's, as I already mentioned, like Peter uh, Malata. You've got Ong Su Han plays the Korean fighter. Uh, is there is there anybody else? And obviously, our antagonist is played by uh, one of the the Chisi brothers. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Michael is the one that played Tong Po, right? Mm-hmm. And then in the quest, it's his brother that's playing the Mongolian fighter, uh, and played by Abdel Chisi. So, uh, and he was also the bad guy from Lionheart. Uh, he was the Attila, yes. right? Or yes, yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> I put the money's on Attila. Wrong bet. Uh, <laughs> wrong bet. I love Lionheart. We can do that one. Oh, uh, Lionheart uh, is such a good movie. You can rewatch that back to back. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love Lionheart. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, I, I, I know you're. We are a little pressed for time today. Uh-huh. But one thing we were t- we're talking about cast that almost alluded, and uh, maybe you're getting to it, is like. The supporting cast is so good in this, particularly. Roger Moore. Roger Moore. He is so much fun in this film. Yes, I mean he's always fun. Period. But he's—I love it when he's when he 
when you get him out of the, the tuxedo, at least the James Bond tuxedo. Well, most people haven't seen him out of James Bond. So as, as I mentioned before, I grew up watching the James Bond movies as like uh, starting in second or third grade with my dad. My dad was a huge James Bond fan. My dad didn't like necessarily watch a whole lot of TV or movies. As I mentioned, he'd sit and watch my like martial arts movies with me. But mm-hmm. the ones he lo- loved to watch the most were James Bond. And those were movies he'd seen over his life. I really don't know how he found the time, but <laughs> with everything, with how busy he was. But uh, yeah, so James Bond holds a special place in my heart. However, so most people haven't seen Roger Moore outside of James Bond. But for me growing up, I used to listen to the Saint radio show uh, with, okay. with my dad as well, where he started off on the radio show. Then he did the TV series, The Saint, which I got to watch on like VHS uh, compilation tapes when I was a kid. Like they would mm-hmm. release a few episodes. Uh, I remember The Saint and The Avengers. We had a box set of that one, too. And then uh, so this is one of those gems where you get to see him outside of James Bond. And he's yes. he's not trying to copy James Bond or anything like uh it's just he's just a great actor and a great performer and he has such a good screen presence and he he brings the level of gravitas to to the screen a level of veteran uh acting honestly to the screen that it helps balance this film because you it is a risk if if, if jean-claude van damme truly directed this film or at least he's getting credit for directing most of it it's clearly his vision it's nice to have someone like uh, Roger Moore present uh, to balance, counterbalance, balance the scenes and balance the script because he pops in and out through the through the through the film. Yeah, uh, I mean, and then we have some other like well-known character actors. We won't go into too de- too much detail. I mean, you've got uh, Aki Alnong, right? Uh, who I believe is he has an interesting backstory if you've ever read it like he's i want to say he's japanese american but i think he went through like the caribbean and like grew up there or something i'm not sure i didn't read uh, i should have done more research on him before doing this but i've just read about him in the past uh but uh yeah i mean he's in there we've got all sorts of great uh performers and so forth and i'm probably butchering his name do you know how to say his name and oh he is as i said a trinidad and tobago born american character actor Mm -hmm. uh but uh, Al Leong, A-L-E-O-N-G. Aki, though, is the first name. But I mean, yeah. he's also been in previous movies we've talked about, uh, specifically Dawn the Dragons, Out for Blood. <laughs> yeah, yes. we've, we've yeah. been talking about Dawn the Dragon we, this we week. Talking about it. We and, love Dawn the Dragon. There's certain elements do. of his movies, or so, we should say certain co-stars of his movies that we've so been joking I, about. But, but when Once we wrap up, Discussing the quest, I do have one question for you that will circulate around Don the Dragon Wilson. Perfect. So, I mean, we've gone over the actors, we've gone over the fight, stellar fight, stellar camera work, stellar choreography, very hard hitting, very dynamic. They do a lot of jump cuts for uh, uh, to demonstrate power of the kicks, you know, like mm-hmm. real quick where... Uh, kind of a jump cut is the continuity doesn't necessarily make sense with typical editing <laughs> style, but they do yeah. that on purpose to accentuate the action. It's like it cuts from one angle to a, another that you wouldn't normally do like during a dialogue scene, but by doing it with uh, like there's certain rules, uh, rules with editing where it's like you're supposed to if you're cutting, you're supposed to be a, or you're changing the camera. It should be a certain angle that it changes with a lot of times with jump, cut, jump cuts and fight choreography. They don't follow that rule. It's like it only the camera only moves slightly and it's like, whoa, and it's kind of disruptive it's, during normal scenes. But during action scenes, it can accentuate the kicks, the punches, add like a layer of power to it. And one, of, one of my favorite cuts that we've discussed this before is Samuel versus Richard Norton uh, in Twinkle, Twinkle, Lucky Star stars where 
just like the that just that uppercut where Oof. his where his beard just explodes the the sweat explodes off of his beard as you see the impact. Ooh, I mean, the, and, that's a, that's a great example of these jump cuts, and you are going to see you usually see them in Jean Claude Van Damme movies. It's almost part of it's almost a signature to Jean Claude Van Damme films as his splits. Yes, but I mean they. It's just the way he performs. He performs so well that you do need a jump cut to truly see that, wow, is his, are his legs really that far apart? And is he really, truly like bringing, you know, that kick around that far? I mean, it's a, what he does as a performer is just truly fantastic. And the jump cuts help capture that. Almost oh, definitely. Uh, and then as, some, as someone might guess, I mean, really, we haven't gone to too much detail about the subplots or anything else. We're going to we don't really have time for that. But as you may have guessed, he makes it to the final. He decides to avenge his uh, Thai boxing brother, even though it's kind of weird how much uh, uh, love he has for them when technically he was like their slave. I mean, I know they taught him Muay Thai, but uh, <laughs> uh, but anywho, so he makes it to the final. He's fighting the Mongolian. We get a great fight. It actually exits out of the arena and it goes to the outdoors. The interesting thing is, obviously, Van Damme throws some great kicks, but there's a huge uh, emphasis on his punching and boxing. That's like Mm -hmm. in the whole finale, like when he finishes him off, excuse me, I should say the climax of the finale, it's all punches, just rapid fire, like great kind of hooks, like really torquing the body, putting him in there. Uh, You know, it's just these series of punches and he like literally finishes him with punches, which is kind of out of character for Van Damme. Van Damme. You'd expect more of like a slow motion series of helicopter kicks like we got in Bloodsport. But instead, it's the opposite. We have full speed, rapid fire, like left hook, right hook, left hook, right hook. But it just sells, right? They're all sweated it up. It's like uh, obviously uh, Abdel really sells the getting punched in the face. Van Damme is really going all into it. He's like crazy. He like his performance within the fight scene is great because it's like he's he's like, ah! You know, his Van Damme like grunt thing he does. Uh, and I mean, I, I believe it's like uh, Maxi Devine, James Moore actually has to grab him at the end, right? Hold him back. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. like you did it, you did it, it's over, you know? And it's just, so it's definitely a, a slightly different. I would have loved to have seen some more kicks, but you know, it's it's a great final fight because once again, it, it's a, it would be a little difficult to do a very intricately choreographed fight scene with their two different like body types. You got the one that's the giant, big, like, Mongolian. I mean, we saw that kind of in Lionheart. I'd say it's an upgrade of their fight from Lionheart because in Lionheart is very much more of the slow motion Van Damme, mm-hmm. kick and pose, punch and pose, block, uh, you know, kind of yeah. more that American style. This one, we get that combination of the American with the Asian or Hong Kong style, faster choreography. And I, I like it. It's, it's, it's a real nice blend. The whole film, like as we discussed, the filmmaking style, the choreography style, everything is a nice it's a nice meeting point. Like if we talk about his uh, another film that he did where it's a little more Hong Kong influence, uh, knock, uh, knock off or knock off. Yeah. Knock okay. off. For instance, it sometimes doesn't, it doesn't live up to its potential. Yep. This film, it, it just, it kind of floats between the, the genres and the camera styles so well that, uh, it works. It really works. And I mean, like we talk about Lionheart and the, the fight, that fight scene being a little slower, a little more American style, you know, and those types of films, they rely really heavily on the emotion behind each punch. So there's a lot of story behind each punch. What's great about this is you can lose yourself in the fights and sort of it's married to the script. Yes, but it's also moving. It's not just tied to the historical character, but moving through through this the the script and the growth of the 
character and the present. So and basically, you, you can live in the moment with these fights. Oh, agreed. And one last thing to point out also is during the final fight, we do get to see a little bit more from uh, our Mongolian antagonist, and he does some great boxing. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the brothers, uh, the Michael TZ, or I don't know how to pronounce the last name, and Abdel, they have a boxing background. And you see that in the final fight. He's like, yes. for a big guy, he's like floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee, pop, pop, pop. Uh, so once again, it fits with the character because, I mean, boxing pugilism has been around forever, right? But just his ability to move, pop, pop, pop. Uh, and it just, you like, they're selling those shots and it looks great. And this is also kind of one of the last movies I feel where we really got to see Van Damme in his peak doing all of his own fight scenes. Now, yes, obviously he'd be doubled for some stuff, but you like when you, you look, you pause, it's Van Damme. Like mm-hmm. pretty much after this point, we, we started getting a lot of doubling, a lot of like, oh, that was even some incredible fight scenes in later movies. But it's like, was that Van Damme? Or, you know, maybe even the straight to video era, it was mostly Van Damme and some of those, but the fights weren't that good. You know what I mean? So this is like yeah. one of those last good balances where it's like we got some great fight scenes and it's mostly Van Damme doing it. Before I forget off the top of my head, one thing I want to mention uh, towards the beginning of the movie, uh, the six months later period after he's been on Muay Thai Island for mm-hmm. six months we get a couple of uh, Muay Thai fight scenes. Yes. And that first one, that's like one of the best Muay Thai fight scenes I've, I've like seen on camera. It's just that's done, really fantastic. It's hard hitting. It's got some good looking authentic Muay Thai, but it's got, you know, the cinematic flair to it. Yeah, obviously some of it's a little off, but it, it just the way the the way they sell the hits, the choreography, it's great. And even Van Damme's next, obviously Van Damme's using more of his karate style in there, but it's still brilliantly shot and I would have loved to have seen a whole like just Muay Thai movie done that way it, it, I mean it's kind of more like Muay Baran with because they have the ropes on their hands but uh just just really well done that quick little fight scene with the two Thai fighters you're just like holy crap why hasn't somebody just made a whole I mean yes Tony Jaw came later but Tony Jaw's uh whole thing was slightly different it was more like look we're hitting each other for real this has more of the traditional cinematic uh fight like I should say Hong Kong cinematic fight style, you know, the yeah. camera angles changes, just, just the, the choices were really well done. So, I mean, um, if it's Van Damme, my hat's off to you. Well, you, you know, and I'm really glad you pointed that fight scene out because that is really, that's, that's truly the standout fight. Uh, maybe the standout fight of the film for me. And, uh, you know, if he really directed this, no, I shouldn't say that he directed this, he wrote the story. Wouldn't it be great to see him behind the camera again, writing a story where it kind of is that that's Muay Thai style film? I'd, I'd be Ooh. down, man. I'd be, but I, I really know. feel you'd have to bring back all the same people. It was not a solo effort. It oh, was definitely not, yeah. A, yeah. a team effort that got those fight scenes looking the way they did. So I hate to cut us off, but uh, once again, I got a lot of family stuff going on. I'm just so glad we got to record today. 45 minutes. That's a good episode. We that usually is, go an hour, is. but uh yeah, gonna, and put it put a pin in it for uh, the Don the Dragon Wilson. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you next. Oh time no no, go ahead. Let's do that right now. Sorry, oh, I sure? forgot. Yeah, we got time. Are you sure? Okay. Well, basically, my question is, what is the most embarrassing or moment? I know you had one this week. It could be that watching a Don the Dragon Wilson movie and what happened. Oh Jesus! Well, I caught this one before, and luckily, where I was sitting in the coffee shop, I had my back to the wall in the corner. Uh, not on purpose. It's just someone was sitting on the couch I normally sat uh, at when <laughs> I would go to on my lunch break because uh, uh-huh. I didn't have a break room at the gym. Uh, but is there a more embarrassing one? So, uh, and, and and folks, if you've watched Don the Dragon Wheels movie, you know what we're talking about. His movies come across as potentially G, even PG, maybe PG-13. And then all of a sudden, there is a borderline NC-17 scene 
plopped right in the middle. It doesn't even have to be there for the script. It's just there. Gratuitous sex scenes. Once again, you have to have like seven fight scenes in a movie and some nudity and you could sell it anywhere. Uh, but <laughs> like, oh man, I, 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 there's got to be a better example. But this one was... Pretty bad. Once again, I'm in a public coffee shop. So far, this movie would be very much... We're going to go with PG-13 just because there's yeah. violence stuff. But no, like easily less violent than, say, Indiana Jones. So like PG level. And then yeah. out of nowhere... And there's even a sequence earlier where a woman tries to sleep with him and he turns it down, right? He's like, no, blah, blah. And you're like, all right, so we're not getting into that this movie. Then out of nowhere, <laughs> like he's meeting with a secret agent. They get back to his room and then she just starts getting naked. And I'm like, okay. oh, crap. And I just Wait. I just delete it out. What, what what movie were you watching? So it's uh, there's a few different titles. It's uh, Inferno or Operation Cobra. I think is one. It's the one set in India. Okay, so there's one that's set in America where he's on the run. Uh huh. Okay, from the CIA or whatever. And I've rented it. Um, it's, I think it's my first on the Dragon Wilson movie. It comes in the mail through Blockbuster Video. Plop it in. My mother's visiting. My mother <laughs> listens to the show. She's going to remember this. We're watching what is essentially. PG, maybe PG-13 action. You know, it's okay. It's fun. It's, you know, it's it's Don the Dragon Wilson. He's got a lot of charisma. He's got stage presence. And his kicks look really good on film. Yeah. So we're watching the movie. All of a sudden, they're in a hotel room. And her clothes fall off, essentially. And his clothes fall off. And they start going at it. And we're like, uh... Let's maybe stop this right now. Well, <laughs> like, or, actually, I do remember now the very first Dawn the Dragon Wilson movie I ever saw, The Capital Conspiracy, which is now that's like. That's the one. That's oh, the one. Okay. <laughs> So it's so funny because it, it streams now on a whole different name. Like it's on Tubi and I tried rewatching it recently and it was just so bad. I got like five minutes into it. I was like, nope. But as a kid, I had, I had no, I just saw it in the video store. Capital Conspiracy. First time I ever saw Don the Dragon Wilson. I'm a huge Jackie Chan fan at this point. It's like 1998. Yes. And I thought, oh, sweet. This, and you see the pictures on the back. So I, I put it in and I started watching and right out the gate go, when you see the first fight scene, you're like, wait, what's wrong? Like, why are they moving so slow? Well, it is not one of his good fight scene movies. And then so I'm, I'm getting like halfway. So I just start watching as a kid. I'm bored out of my mind. But then like that scene comes on. I'm like, oh crap. And like, you know, I go to stop it because I'm like, what if my mom walked in or something? I'm only like 13. Yeah, no. Well, imagine Matt. We we grew up with similar similar restrictions on what films to watch. I'm obviously a little older when I'm watching this. Imagine sitting next to your mother and this pops on, and even even if she wasn't sitting there, these scenes aren't. I mean, with all due respect, and if you're listening, I'm very sorry, Mr. Wilson, but with all due respect, these scenes aren't needed in these films. And not, you know, we're there to watch the action, not that action. Correction, actually. I was a lot younger, I realized, because I was still doing uh, Taekwondo at that point. Because the whole reason (laughs) I rented it was because we had a guest instructor who said, yeah, Um, you know, I'm friends with Don the Dragon Wilson. I was like, that's the guy I've seen in the video store in that new movie. And so I asked my mom afterwards. I said, I I know it's rated R, but uh, this guy, I remember his name was Master Sheldon, I think. once again, one of those guys like way overweight, obese dude, like, you know, oh, yeah, she was talking a big game and she's like, OK, yeah, sure, I guess. So she made an exception too. I was like, oh, this is great. So I was like probably 10 or 11 already. Oh, man. you know, it, it, it doesn't matter because I was I was probably way too young to be like, "Ooh, sweet. What's this scene? Like, I was just like, ah, but anywho. That's our embarrassing Don the Dragon Wilson stories. Today we talked about the quest. We're back. We're going to be at it regularly at least once a week. We're going to make it happen. I'm heading down to L.A. in a few days. We're going to get some good training in. Any final thoughts? I'm looking forward to the double feature popcorn and then talking about those movies. Yes, and hopefully we can actually record this time when I come down. I'm driving, so I'm going to bring the whole uh, equipment set up, and we are going to record. We're going to make it happen. All right, my friend. You have a great rest of your weekend. Take care. Peace.